In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. Hey, I'm Jared. And I'm Greg. And this is Modern Apocrypha. Welcome, everyone. So, this is sort of a continuation of our conversation from last time. Um, we, wanted, we wanted to talk about sort of the, the corporate church. And, and by this, we could mean two different things. Most of the time when people say the church, what they mean is the body of believers in Jesus Christ worldwide. Whatever organizational church they happen to attend, whatever um, whatever brand they put on their pews, the, the idea is that the church is the group of believers. And really here, we have to kind of be careful with words. As, as you were pointing out last time, we have to be careful with words because... If, if I say the church and I start saying all sorts of bad things about it, that's not, that's not good because what will be assumed is that I'm talking about the group of people who believe in Jesus Christ. And the way I see it, the group of people who believe in Jesus Christ are surrounded by all sorts of people who believe in something that is religious instead. They're they're religious people, not Christian people. And, and Christ even had a parable about that, the parable of the wheat and the tares. He talks about how we shouldn't be killing the tares, that he told them, let the wheat and the tares grow up together, and at the end of the age, the angels will take the tares and throw them in the furnace, and the wheat will be brought into the barn. And by that, he means that the people who are the religious people, and, and there's something we ought to sort of touch on here is that tares look like wheat in their early growth phase. I see. So the idea is you've got two kinds of people who look similar and it's only when the fullness of their fruit appears that you can really tell the difference between a wheat and a tare. And, and the, that serves for the parable pretty well. So, what does that mean for us? Well, in our day, there are a couple of things that I want to lay down sort of as groundwork here, and then we can hash it out if you have any disagreement. I don't think you will. One thing is just this, that when we talk about the church, it needs to be talking about the group of people who believe in Christ. When we talk about the corporate or and I, I even want to go a different place with this. I want to say we could talk about the Scarlet Woman of Revelation is something that you could also label 
uh, and I know there are a lot of people who disagree with me about this, but the overall concept is going to be pretty easy here. The overall concept is there's something that is the church, and then there's something that is the overall religious organization in the world, and they're two very separate things, and when you when you try to put them together, you wind up with bad fruit. Any thoughts there? Well, it's pretty obvious. Um, it feels like to me what you're describing is um, letting something like uh, religious iconography and and authority of elders and things like that become your guiding principle and that being borne out in everything from the Spanish Inquisition to um, any number of atrocities and horrors and that then muddying the waters so much that good people may not even go to the into scripture because they're they've got those ugly images you know before them associated to that organization that was never from the scripture in the first place never from god i've seen people treat scripture as an idol too where they put scripture on a pedestal and they it's like reading the dictionary definition of jared you know you go to wikipedia i don't know that i have a wikipedia article but if you go to wikipedia and you read the article about jared michaud and you claim that's equivalent to knowing me in person that's the way it is with people who claim the scripture is equivalent to jesus it's it's a very good analogy because he's a person and the scripture is a written thing about him it's interesting it's it. a it's an interesting um uh, concept we've had this uh kind of in our circles as as the in-between generation uh looking at uh the topic of artificial intelligence as being named a, a deity and our, our deity doesn't fit in a box there's no computer there's no uh, there's no box that holds that <clears throat> excuse me there's no box that holds that and if you look at it as a string of words that is in the box, the, the Bible itself is a limited number of words. It, it's not the living word of Christ. It is. It is the written account. scripture. It is, and, and actually the Bible tells us what scripture is useful for. Let me actually look it up because this is something that, that it would be good to get right. Well, and I would say that there's some pretty obvious uh, uh, pointers to that. I believe in Revelations, it um, denotes not to change the words. That would uh, um, be an, uh, a permission in my mind that any other passage other than Revelations, if you can get the point across with better words for the person in front of you, the point is the point. Yeah. So Second Timothy 3 starting in chapter or in verse 15 and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness so let let's go let's read that again scripture is 
given by inspiration of God, all scripture, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It's good for those four things. But it doesn't claim, like, Paul's never claiming here that scripture is God. And that's a, that's a claim a lot of people make. And it's groundless. It's, it becomes an idol for them. And same thing with the hierarchy of the church. You know, there, there are a couple of different ways that you can make this happen, but there are a lot of people who in the U.S. get hooked on a single preacher or a single teacher. And they say that this person is sort of their... They end up idolizing the person. You know, that, that the televangelist thing it was a great example in our parents' generation when that was a big deal for a lot of people. Uh, and that was really messy. But the fact is, we, we saw where the fruit of that was. So where all of this leads me, and, and when it comes to, and, and just going, adding one other factor here that we've kind of talked about, but let's make it explicit. When we talk about things like the Catholic Church, the reason the Protestant Reformation had to happen was that the church hierarchy got so corrupt and riddled with enemy activity and darkness that good people could no longer abide it. That it was the organization, the earthly organization of the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, was so full of darkness that good people couldn't abide it and they had to go their own way in order to have a good conscience before God. That's essentially what happened. And so when you make scripture an idol, when you make people an idol, when you make hierarchies an idol, all of those things lead you down bad roads and they bear bad fruit. And I would say that's the foundation of this discussion, that... There are people who are going to want to quibble with me on any one of those points, but the fact is, in order to get past it, we just have to, we have to agree. Do, do you agree all three of those things are true? Personally, yes. Yeah. Okay. So moving past that then, what's the next step? Where do we go from there? Well, it looks to me like... I'm 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 going to try to draw a picture here and we'll pull the threads together a little bit. Um we see the Catholic Church, the the hierarchy of the Catholic Church is pulling toward acceptance of practices that are evil, that are wrong. Um whether that's um acknowledgement of homosexuality among their among church elders whether that's uh you know there there are a number of places where they're going in a direction that is not great and there are a, a large number of catholics who are who believe that you don't have to acknowledge christ as lord to go to heaven essentially where they've gone is beyond the point of saying Jesus decides who goes to heaven to say everybody gets to go to heaven, no matter what you believe. Okay? That's a big thing right now in certain circles. And I, I don't know 
I don't know a huge amount about current church politics and who believes what and what and you know what the different power blocks are, but I do know that that is that has come to a very prominent place. So that's that's on the Catholic side. Then you come to America and you look at mainline denominations, uh, whether it's oh, what would we say, uh, Episcopalian. Presbyterian. There, there are various mainline denominations, very traditionally very large church denominations in America, mostly um, prevalent in the Northeast or uh, some in the South, some some everywhere else, but but kind of strongholded in the Northeast part of the country, where they're um, they've they've essentially fallen apart morally and doctrinally they've gotten to a point where they're ordaining women as teachers which is something that the scriptures directly say don't do this well you know when the bible says don't do this you don't freaking do this it's not very complicated you just don't do it they're doing it um a lot of them are participating so how do you separate that out between a, a good doctrine and uh, being dogmatic well, it, what was that verse we just read? Let, let me bring it back up. It says, um, All scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And what, what, what I take out of that, effectively, is that if you test a belief you have against the scriptures, and you find that, you're having to make excuses for what you believe, or you're having to talk around the scripture toward what you believe, then you're wrong. If you find yourself making a shadow of an excuse, it's like Jordan Peterson says about your conscience, you'll know when you're making excuses if you're willing to be honest with yourself. And if you find yourself making an excuse, then... You're wrong. Operating out of operating operating out of fear, operating out of spite, operating out of uh, a desire sort of... to incorporate the the current what is currently acceptable with the world. So that takes us to the the um, the alphabet agenda, the LGBTQ plus agenda being acceptable to a lot of these mainline denominations where they're celebrating this uh agenda and it's a strange it's a strange flip because it is a bit of a uh, a self guilt on the persecution that had happened before and the moving too far was stopping persecution is good but that's not necessarily well and, and this is you're right and this is another place where perspective helps us out a lot because if my perspective is one of Jesus loves these people and wants them to come to repentance, and I need to be an instrument of his in their lives to draw them to repentance. That doesn't mean that I accept their behavior. It also doesn't mean that I treat them like scum. It means that I see them as what they are, a fellow human being who is just as, just as depraved as I am, because I have all the same tendencies these other people do. You name the person, I got the tendencies. I can see them in my sure. own heart. So my 
my mission, my role is to reach out to them in love and say, look what I found. The light of the world is in front of you. You need this. You need him. And not they're not all going to listen, but that is the role I should be taking. Now, that requires me to reject their behavior. It requires me to reject the darkness, but it also requires me to see them as being the same as me in a, in a really critical way not other them somehow. And, and so we see that going on with mainline denominations in a lot of more, what, you, what people would think of as fundamentalist circles, you see something else going on where you've got... You remember me having used the words gorging on the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That seemed to me as if a redescription of uh, overstudying demons. <laughs> it's a redescription of being dogmatic, of looking to the rules as your savior. Okay? When you look to living under the law, living under the rules as being how you get close to God, you're gorging on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By the uh, the New Testament says that where there is grace, there is no awareness, there is no knowledge of sin. And what that means is that when you're operating under grace, you're following Christ closely. You won't have the awareness of sin. It it won't you won't you don't need it because you're following His lead close enough that you don't have to be you don't have to be obeying rules. Okay, so, so we see there are different directions that these organizations we've talked about are trending in bad ways so far. Um, we, could, we could grab others. Um, I'm not as familiar with what um, other religions are doing right now, but let's look at some, Ameri some very quintessentially American religions like the... Uh, excuse me. Um, like the, the alphabet agenda, as I was calling it. When you look at who is pro-Palestine, who is um, who is pro-Muslim in the U.S., you see that there are these, these separate power blocks that look like they should have nothing to do with each other. Like... Um, like the the LGBTQ agenda and the uh, the Muslim agenda, which the Sharia law, right, right. These people who look like they should have nothing to do with each other because one likes to murder the other in countries where it's uh, dominant. Mm -hmm. But but we also we also have simultaneously the um, um, young homosexual uh, coalition against pedophiles. Right. Well, and and what I'm seeing in all of this, and I'm drawing kind of a, a funny conclusion here, but the more I explore it, the more it looks viable to me, is that we're seeing sort of this beginning of a meld of a lot of different uh, religious institutions. 
and I say religious institutions because atheism is a religious institution of a sort. It has its stronghold in academia in the U.S. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm kicking all the sacred cows here. Um, sure, sure. Well, and that's another word to watch out for because atheism, I believe, began something along uh, well outside of pure Satan Satan ritualism, uh, but. The, the modern atheism kind of was a Darwinian era thing from the 1700s. Now we've, we're, we're into something they're calling new atheism. Are you speaking on the term of new atheism? The atheism of the 70s or the 1700s original? God it, doesn't exist. It doesn't, it doesn't exactly matter with the place I'm taking it to. Okay, where I'm going is that a lot of these things are losing their distinctions from each other in places that matter strategically. So a great example would be the alphabet agenda and the, the Islamic agenda where the one is sticking up for the other. This isn't a conflict of interest. This is an alliance of powers and principalities. This is a case of all of these different all of these different institutions are slowly, and in some cases not so slowly, merging into something that is functionally the same. They will still have distinctions between them, but when it comes to their core, their they core values... They want to be the humans that define what's good, bad, and punishable. They want right. to be the humans that are defining good, bad, and punishable. That's right. And and all of these institutions are sort of gravitating together. Well, that's a together. falsehood. I say that. It strikes me. It's being screamed at me. That's okay. not what it is. What is they it? Don't want, they don't want to define good, bad, and punishment. They just want the prizes. They want to define who's the winner so they can be the winner. They don't, they, they don't care about good or evil or punishment. That's they right. They just want prizes. No, that, that's right. That That's correct. They want to win. They want to be the powerful. This is a repeat of the origin story of Lucifer. Lucifer mm. saw the throne of God. He saw the stars of God, the angels of God. He said, I want to be ascended above them. I want to be the powerful one. I want to own all the things. I want to be... And he was proud. And this is where we see all of this moving toward. So this is sort of a culmination of a lot of the different episodes we've done. We talked about hierarchy. When you see hierarchy in something, you can assume that the enemy is operating there because hierarchy is an institution of the enemy where authority is an institution of God. When you see any number of things, this stuff is all moving together into sort of one, um, what would you call it? Not even an umbrella, but, but sort of one functional power block to operate together. So when I say that I think the religions of the world are all melding into one, that's what I mean by it. And most people don't seem to be able to differentiate between the labels they put on themselves and the the truth of Christ that's in them. There's a place 
in Revelation where God says, talking about Babylon, he says, come out of her, my people. Mystery Babylon. He says, come out of her, my people. Come out of her. And he's, he's imploring us to recognize the place where we're part of the institution in the world. And maybe this will refer to a specific institution at a given time, but it can also be read to refer to the general organizations of the world that are turned away from God. To come out of that institution so that we're not a part of its destruction. Well, and certainly a, um, a common meeting place, a common temple that spans the world would uh, lend itself towards the uh, disillusionment of a organized church. Can you say that in other words? That didn't compute for some reason. The... Um, the promise that the temple will be everywhere. The temple will be outdoors. We have a promise that there... The, a the disillusionment of the church. You mean a dissolution of the church? Dissolving? The break, Dissolving, yes. Uh, um, dissolution. Uh, okay. Yeah. A disillusionment means uh, somebody losing an illusion, somebody seeing something see. clearly. And, and so, yeah. Disintegration of, yeah. Yeah, disintegration. But, uh, okay. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It's like I say, I think that there will still be distinctions between a lot of these organizations. You know, you're not going to be both a Jehovah's Witness and a Catholic. They'll still have their separate, um, their separate walls. This is one of the ways that the enemy likes to to pull the wool over people's eyes is by creating these distinctions without a difference. So it's like the whole white and black side of the chessboard being played by the same player. There's a distinction between these different organizations, but the difference in how they operate is basically meaningless because, and is becoming more and more meaningless as people and more organizations gravitate toward this power block. Well, and it is sort of a natural um, function of, of the real world, function of the material world, that if you were to drop a, uh, a drop of ink in a cup, it, that ink is going to distribute throughout the water. Um, and it tends to be that people that want good for those around them without favoritism they're not favoring their kids or their color or their sex or their right they just want good generally we'll we'll look to everyone else and we'll try to find the best best methods and whenever you start to slip off of best methods into shared verbiage right then they you you do just start to get a homogeneity a, a similarity between uh belief systems that are professed and uh scriptures have been reused and copied uh, from from the bible to other religions right uh, there's just been so much that people are looking to get that um that group joined they want someone to join their group on on the on the the, the tally of catholics or the tally of muslims or the tally of jehovah's witnesses or the tally of of the number 
that that's what they're aiming for so much that they start to sound the same and and, and even to the point that it becomes very difficult to, to distinguish them in, in reality but they, they do move closer to each other because more than trying to bring everyone to christ they're trying to bring themselves closer to where everyone else is might be so that they can bring add more to their ledger yeah that's true they do there is a lot of that and that's that is a when you find that that's a good indication you ought to be running the other way that that isn't a that isn't a place you want to be or fight against it if you think it's viable you know there was uh, a person in the church we've been going to some time back who was talking about changing the worship so that we could attract more young people and i'm like it, it never gained any traction, but I'm like, this is not a person we want in a position of leadership. This is not a position, a person we want in a position of authority, because that will necessarily lead to exactly what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that being honest with yourself in those sort of situations is incredibly important. Um, in our uh, entire time knowing each other, I've kind of given you that impression that I'm wildly creative and I will make a wonderful general, but I won't lead something because I will provide so many options that I guarantee you there's some evil in there, right? I, I just have a throw spaghetti at the wall so aggressively <laughs> that... Well, yeah, you, you tend to be a very creative type person, no question. I'm I'm... Compared to most people, I'm a pretty creative type person, but not compared to you. <laughs> I find you very creative, very creative. I think okay, well, I appreciate uh, that, those... but, but personality-wise, there's no there's no comparison. The 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 uh, the comparison I would give is that you can take seriously a story and a character well enough to be responsible to those characters. I can see a story so in-depth that I have difficulty separating that from the real world. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we're basically at break time. You want to take a break for a minute here? I could use some coffee, actually. What was the coffee brand that we're uh, looking at for the podcast? North Arrow Coffee. And we'll have an ad for that during the break. All right. All right, we'll be back. I'll see you guys here after the break. Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by the Energemetra 6 universe and by the upcoming book Bright Star by me, Jared Michaud. If you're interested in reading the book, head over to e6universe.com. I'm still looking for people for the book launch team. In return for posting a few reviews on bookstore sites and sharing on your own social media, you can get a free physical copy of the book and... Uh, read it that way or if you'd like we do have a few copies for sale for pre-sale between now and april of 2024 when the book comes out modern apocrypha is made possible by north arrow coffee it's the pro-life coffee company where 15 percent of every sale goes to a pro-life cause and it's so good that even us non-coffee drinkers love the company uh, everybody i know who i have uh 
given North Arrow coffee to who is a coffee drinker loves it. So the quality of the product is wonderful and they're not a company that hates you. So if you're interested, head over to northarrowcoffee.co and use the promo code E6 for 10% off with your order. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. So? Oh, so it strikes me that uh, a useful piece of conversation for people to hear might be knowing when to uh, recalibrate, recalibrate your trajectory and your goals and to see if you're being dogmatic or if you're following the wrong path. And it, it occurs to me that you had a journalistic path in mind. You went to college with journalism on the brain. You were confronted with an organization. You uh, you had hopes and dreams that you had in mind that were curtailed, that life didn't go the way you initially imagined. And you also had to see that allow it to ha and allow the change to happen and not get sucked into what was a corrupt system. And in that process, you had a real life, you know, your entire life, but your real life uh, situation of, of seeing uh, an untenable corruption. And then how did you see it and how did you deal with it? I actually think that there's a better example, but let me just speak to the one that you brought up. So okay. I was, ever since I was like 12, I've wanted to write fiction. I've wanted to write Bright Star, actually, ever since I was like 12. Okay. I started writing it when I was like 12. And I wrote the prologue, which turned into a 200-page book, and it was a prequel instead of a prologue, and it didn't work very well. And So, ever since I was about 12, I've wanted to do what I'm doing. Now, when I was a teenager... I was told, you know, you should probably find something that you can do to make you money between here and there because you're going to have to support yourself and probably a family um, before you're a writer. And, you know, journalism is sort of an, a road into that. Maybe you could go into journalism. This was my dad's thought. And I said, well, okay, I, could, I can try that. So I started going to college for journalism at the community college and oil and water doesn't cover it. I have an intransigent streak that isn't all that wide, meaning I'm not all that intransigent about all that many things, but it is so deep that it might just tap the core of the planet. Like when you, <laughs> when you hit, when you hit my intransigent streak, it's like bouncing off of a solid wall of iron because it just doesn't freaking move. And this whole journalism thing was coming in conflict with my intransigent streak. And it's because even back in the early 2000s, I could see the corruption of that particular subsection of society to a degree that was just outrageous. And if I had involved myself in it, I would have had to call it out relentlessly and without, without quarter. And this was the time when 
this was before the internet was a thing, before media had become mass media. And if I had been, um, you know, if I had stuck with it and I had been stubborn about doing it, I, I could have a pretty big name by now. I could be like, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, Daily Wire guys or Tim Pool or one of the other alternative media voices that is a big deal right now because but but journalism was never my it was never what I really wanted to do it was never where I felt called to be it was never what I had a burden on me for so being stubborn in that area I didn't have the I didn't have the moral or emotional fortitude to stick it out there. Mm. And because of that, when I got to the end of that degree and I just, I saw just how opposed I was in that quarter. I just decided that that wasn't a battle that I cared to fight because I'd die on that hill because I didn't have the stamina for it. Cause I didn't care. And so that was and the certainly story there. The other, the other option in that role is you could slowly accept one thing after another until you do muddy the water so much that you you don't recognize yourself. That also is a possibility well, of you. And and I know people who I know people who've done that, and it's so painful for me because I still love these people. These are still people who I would consider friends, and they have essentially become a part of that world and they have incentive trapped themselves into the journalism mindset where they can't say anything like what we're saying here. What we're saying here is so far outside the Overton window that, that if they were to say anything like that, they would be instantly shunned and pushed out of their current places because the hierarchy as it stands doesn't accept, and, and the Overton window of the population at large doesn't accept open exploration of ideas like you and I are trying to engage in. It just straight up doesn't. So they can't say these things. And it has turned them into a journalistic drone in some fashion. They're fighting for one side of the chessboard or the other. And I find that to be a tragedy because these are some of the smartest people I knew and some of the most driven people I knew, too. Well, and, and a lot of stifled creativity and, yeah, just a lot of uh, poor fruits that are obvious to see. What would you think from uh, not anybody that you personally know, but you being a, uh, a fan or, or in the, uh, the medium, have noticed people coming and going through the, the profession. For the big names, you know, the Walter Conkites of the world, have they ended their their uh, you know, their lives? Have they ended their lives in a in a good, positive, happy place? Have they have they sacrificed too much? Have they right have they I, I can't think of very many people who I think were honest and willing to push in the direction they thought they needed to push. You know, there, there are people who, who are fighting that fight. Like one of the people who I actually really admire is Jeremy Boring at the Daily Wire. He's mm. one of the, he isn't one of the ones who has a, a public facing show very much, but 
the guy's a Christian guy and he's got some he's got great big brass ones and he's he's <laughs> pushing as hard as he can for the ends that he think thinks are valuable and I, I'd love the opportunity to work with the guy someday I admire him um, sure. but but by the same token you know there are those like um, oh what's his name uh, he was the name is escaping me right now but um, the guy who used to say politics is downstream of culture Oh gosh, I don't know have the name on the tip of my tongue either. Yeah, I know who exactly you're talking about. I'll come up with it. But either way, he basically drove himself crazy by being too involved in the world and the pictures of it that were unhealthy. Um, he got involved in Twitter and he didn't have a family. He didn't have something to keep him real grounded and it, it wrecked him. And, and this is in the not non distant past. Mm -hmm. And in the same, <clears throat> I suppose vein, you could have someone like Thomas Sell who was not on the popular winning side for the vast majority of his life, but he's lived a, Tom a very Soul? happy, huh? he's okay. lived a very happy, um, happy in the knowledge that he's correct. He's not, he just sees that it's sad that other people don't see the truth, but he doesn't live in misery, right? He, he understands well, and, and he's got the truth. I aspire to that, frankly. You know, I, I aspire to going, this is the truth as best I know it. Let me lay it out for people to try to help people to understand it. And, you know, if if people don't come to it, that's that's their loss that's their problem that's their choice but at least i've done what i know to in providing the truth to people and that's my hope and so when it comes to things like this writing i don't know that it will be hugely popular or not or anything i don't know where it goes but i know that what i'm doing has some value and if i can push through and get to the end of this first story which is several books long the first story arc then I will have done something that I consider to be valuable. And my, my, the base of my contribution to the world will be mostly complete there. And I have more things that I want to add to it after that. But if I can get there, that at least is a good start. Just out of curiosity, um, for our little space of the world, how many authors have come out of your little town? There are a few here who are small-time authors who sell a couple of hundred copies, but I don't know of anybody big who's come out of my little town. Or even, you know, I'm sure there are, is at least one that's come out of our area, but I'm not sure who. Yeah, it's not a very prevalent uh, profession. We're, we're not uh, the Hollywood types out well, here. Well, you know, there's the whole Western ethos that, we're kind of out in the West and, and there's the West Western ethos and people end up with niches that they speak to here, whatever, but whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's also, it is also a cultural um, divide that you've got to get beyond that. Not producing a physical product um, 
our, our area, our parents are very much about, did you take wheat and make bread? Did you take petroleum Metal and, and build make a machine? Right. Yeah. Did you, did you do a thing? And that, that, perspective certainly hits our part of the world really really hard it's our well and and there's there you know that is is and still has to be the majority of what people do because there's a lot of that work that needs to be done so i'm certainly glad that there are people who to whom that is the primary concern but but for me that's never been what's on my heart now did you want me to answer your original question because i yeah okay so there was the game. Energemetra 6 Diaspora, the game that I started. Okay, so there's the story behind that. When I was first married, I tried to write. I tried to write a set of stories called Winter Night. Um, they were along a somewhat similar vein, but it was not the same world. It was not the same characters. And I expected that God would provide for my family through that. And it was, it was crushing to me when it didn't happen because I was expecting it and I was counting on it. And so it, it was a crisis of faith for me because, because I was counting on it so strongly and Obviously, God doesn't do what I expect him to do. God does what God chooses to do. And I need to follow that. And I wasn't listening at the time the way I needed to be. And so today I agonize over listening. And I'm still not sure I've got it right. But I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. And, you know, if the time comes when I run out of runway for this thing, then... I'll move on to something else and maybe try to keep writing in my spare time if I have to. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not there yet. But the point is, that was a crisis of faith for me. And so I decided, you know, if I don't know well enough what God wants of me, to to see that, to see how he's going to provide for me, then I don't need to be writing this stuff at all. Because if I'm trying to share real truths with people and I am in such a mess myself that I don't, that I don't get it, then I need to put this down and I need to not be doing this. And so I did for 15 years, I put it down and I walked away from writing and writing had been such a part of who I was and what I was up to then that that was like, it was a trauma. And so instead, I, I put my creative outlet into building a computer game. I know you were a part of that for a little while. and Short time. Um, well, you and I came up with a lot of the base concepts together and a lot of the game mm -hmm. balance and stuff together. And so for almost 15 years, I worked on building a computer game. And what I discovered was that I would ask God over and over again to provide me with what I needed to make it work, to provide me with what I needed to, to be able to complete it. And it never appeared. He, he did not do it. And I, I gather that was because I was supposed to be writing and that it just wasn't the time. But when I started writing again, it was definitely the time for it. I got pretty good confirmation and 
what happened in the publishing with of this book is kind of an amazing story. You know, I I asked two different people online, will you do something? One was a beta reader and one was a um a friend I asked, would you read this and recommend it to your followers if you like it? And he said, yeah, sure. You know, my uncle's a publisher, right? <laughs> and I submitted the book. I submitted the book to his uncle's publishing company and it was accepted. First attempt. Do you know how few writers get accepted on their first attempt at a publishing company? It's very, it's very few. Approximately zero. It's like very closely approaching zero. I don't know that I'm the only one ever, but... I might be. I mean, it's like, it's that few. You just don't, it just doesn't happen. So it was one of those things where without God lining this up, it couldn't have come about the way it did. And it was and obviously it, important. And it didn't come, and it didn't come to you from some new program or, or anything more than the relationships you were building. That's right. And it, it, you know, the way God works is still totally beyond me, and that's the way it's supposed to be. All I can do is just get the little bits of truth that I get here and there and try to put them together in a puzzle that makes some kind of sense, and that's that's the way I try to do. But the point is, and your, and your question was, how do you deal with things when you discover that you've been going the wrong way and you have to essentially change your whole life. Um, and all I can say is that without God's preparation, I would be lost. Without God's hand on me, I would be lost. As it is, I feel lost plenty of the time, but I have a path forward. It's just hard, a hard one for me to walk because of the uncertainty. And so you change your life around. You, you, in the case of this game, I was working on this game for a lot of years and I put it down, changed, turned my attention to writing this book. And a year and a half later, I have a book that is published and coming out. And it's, I, I, you know, I don't know, man. That, that's quite a thing. I know that I'm certainly praying for it to take off. I'm, I'm uh, on the side. I don't want to toot my own horn. I'm, I'm terrible at that. Uh, but I have been working as, as much as I can to uh, get everybody in the world to look at it and read it. And those people that have actually turned the first page have not stopped until they've gotten to the end. Well, I, you know, if I were to be honest about this, God's given me a gift to tell this story to create this universe to do this thing because it's important it isn't about me it isn't about me being good it isn't about me being important it's about our society has lost its way and one of the ingredients that's needed for our society to find its way is this myth that we are lacking it's myth is so if politics is downstream of culture and culture is downstream of faith and myth lives somewhere between faith and culture, it points back to the faith that we stand on and forward to lead the way for the culture. We need myth that is currently relevant. And this, I, I believe this is important. And so I'm doing it and I'm not 
convinced of my own rightness, I am just I just feel the urgency, and so I'm doing my best. Um, and that opinion, that perspective on this story, um, and I I don't I'm I'm not going to pigeonhole you into just this story. <clears throat> this story is really wonderfully uh, well put together, but that respect for the characters, you're not able you're just not able to see your characters cast by woke uh, woke casting methods or you know uh, changing anything about it to be other than what it actually is because it's a real universe it's a real um um perspective of one character to another there's nothing is artificial in the way that you're putting things together um and, and and when you allow yourself to put those artificial things together outside of the, the writing in the real world, that's when you do jump the track and you, you you stay with the organization as opposed to staying your morals, staying your, your you know, holding your ground. Yeah. Um, what's, what's correct. You're not talking about me now. You're talking about in general. I am talking about in general for you in the writing, though, the 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 inability to give up the characters right that oh it's just fine if we change every single character to to fit the cast that we want to put on the screen do you do you, you remember what i said about an intransigent streak that might actually be a planetary core tap this is where people would run into my intransigent streak you try to mangle this story and i legally own this story and i will never <laughs> i will not Outside of God speaking audibly to me and telling me you have to do this, I will not sign over the right to creative direction on this story to anybody because I think it's that important. I think it matters. That's my intransigent streak. It's and it's a hill to die on, man. I think that that is required in order to put forth the mental energy to create a mental image of all the things happening at once, right? You've got yeah. a large, you've got, and this may be for your story, but it's also for the the, uh, the story that we put ourselves in, right? If you're not building things up that reasonably, uh, not reasonably, accurately reflect off of each other, then you're building a, a funhouse mirror that just feels unnatural, right? You're, you're living in a, in a warp, that it's going to ruin your your calm. It's going to ruin your peace. It's going to ruin your life. Yeah. Now you're right for, for the for the the story that you've got that is held through that it every character does have an appropriate reflection off of each other. Right relationships that make sense. Um, you know, there's I've always made fun of the uh, the Hollywood uh, uh, practice of one character meets another and it's hello hello i love you i love you let's get married that's the whole story and it, it took that long and it always feels very rushed and unnatural because they didn't they didn't uh show a bush growing from four inches tall to, to six foot tall in between the scenes to give you a sense of time or anything anything give me something <laughs> right right i get what you're saying it's well and in order for a world to be really convincing to be really solid you know you say that you can imagine it to a level where it almost might be real that's the case for me with the characters i see them 
on a, on the same level you would see real people in terms of how solid and whatever they are and I could meet that character in real life and I would know that person. I mean, it's, it's, it's that solid to me and to, to be less than, to be less than faithful to that would, you're right. It would ruin my life. It would be a bad thing. It would, it would damage me to do that. And I think that is a, a positive attribute. I, I also think it's a great place to call it here. Unless you've got more you want to say. If you do, so I think that's a perfectly good spot to stop for this afternoon. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. We Absolutely. appreciate Thank your time. You, appreciate you coming to see us. All right. Well, blessings on your week, and we'll catch you next time. Catch you next time.